0: amen and amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Guys, go ahead and open up your Bible. We're going to turn to Psalm 107 and 1. That is going to be our starting scripture for this morning. Psalm 107, 1. I'll throw in a few other scriptures throughout the message, but today I would like to talk about the goodness of God. God is good. I see, some of you guys grew up in church. God is good. All and all the time. God is good. Y'all know that. So good. So if you've got your Bible open to Psalm 107.1, Scripture reads this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Woo. Just say that again. For he is good. This is. Is a proclamation of what God is like. For He is good, and His steadfast love endures every now and then. Some of the time, every once in a while. When things are going your way. When you just got paid. When you just got that parking spot you were praying for. When you pulled up to Trader Joe's. When you went to Chick-fil-A and the line was short. Hey. God is and His steadfast love endures forever. If you didn't have a reason to shout, you got one now. If you didn't have a reason to dance when you came in here, you you got one now. Because He is good and His goodness knows no end. His goodness is just going to keep getting gooder and gooder. Somebody said amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that your word doesn't change, but you change us through it. And we're thankful for the spirit of transformation that's in this house. We invite, we ask, spirit of revelation, anoint our hearts that we might open ourselves up to receive an increase of the knowledge of your nature. Lord, give us an increase of revelation about the knowledge of your nature. Stretch us, God, that we might know you better, see you rightly, and look at your beauty today. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. God is good. I know you guys know that. I know it too. It's become a very popular Christian slogan over the past few decades. It's uh, kind of like a bumper sticker, isn't it? I mean, anytime, if you've been to church 10 times, you've heard somebody with a microphone get up on stage and say, God is good. And to be honest with you, it's one of those preacher tricks. We have them. You may not know that we have them, but we have them. When you're not participating or maybe you're, you know, trying to figure out if you want to take a nap because it's kind of dark in here and you're sitting far enough away for me not be able to be able to see your face, like we use these tricks and we say, God is good. And four people say all the time. So that, then we say it again. God is good. All the time. And so we do that to wake you up, you know. And, and see, that's, that's become a popular slogan. It's become something that we use for engagement. It's something that we say. But do you really believe that God is good? Is he good some of the time? Is he good most of the time? Or is he good all of the time? I know that we can say all the time, but what about when something goes terribly wrong in your world? What about when you have pain? What about when you experience poverty? Is God still good in your life? That's my question for you right now. We say it, we confess it, we believe it, but do you experience it? Do you live connected to the true nature of God, which is that he is good? He's good. It has to be more than a slogan. It must become a day in, day out understanding and experience, knowing, trusting, living in the reality of God's true nature, which is his goodness. Most Christians would confess and say that they believe that God is good. I know that, you know that, but let me make a suggestion to you to start which is god is way better than you think he is no matter how good you think god is could i push you and say he's better than that no matter how good you believe your savior is he's better than you believe. He's better than you confess. He's better than our bumper stickers. He's better than our slogans. He is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Last week was a remarkable week. How many of you guys were here? I can't see very many of you, but I don't see a ton of hands, which lets me know that a third service, which we're starting in August, is absolutely necessary, Uh, because if everybody showed up, on the same Sunday, we'd have to have people sitting Indian style in the front, African style. And to be honest with you, I'd be okay with that. Honestly, I I think it's fun. The more people in the house, the more fun it is. But last week, man, we had an incredible experience here. Uh, Last week was Father's Day, so you probably went to church with your papa, you know. But we talked about the prodigal father here last week. And um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but The prodigal son parable, the younger brother, wasn't actually the prodigal. Now, I know some people categorize it as this is the parable of the prodigal son. But when you look up the definition of the word prodigal, you'll find that the word prodigal actually means to be recklessly extravagant or having spent everything. Now, who is more recklessly extravagant and having spent everything? Everything like Father God when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He is the true prodigal of the story, the good papa, the good father, the goodness of God that we heard about here last week produced a very interesting environment in the room. When we ask at the end of uh, the service, hey, how many would like to commit or recommit their lives to Christ today? After hearing a message about the goodness of God, we had an unprecedented number of people lift their hand to receive salvation last week. Wow. So good. Yay. Yay. It's awesome. It's amazing, right? It's a party thrown in heaven eight times over. And, and, and I, I saw that and I was like, what, what? are you serious? God? I was on my prayer walk on Monday and I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, God, like eight people. Like that's eight lives that are forever changed. Forever, forever, forever. That are coming into relationship with you in a new way. Like, man, that was awesome. And I was like, God, what did you do? You know, what was special about last week? And I felt like that he showed me the more we talk about the goodness of God, the more people repent of their sins, And make a commitment to him. Because the more we understand that he is good, the closer to him we'll want to become. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be close to anyone whose nature is not good. Because I would be afraid of them. I couldn't trust them. I would have no security in relationship with them. Because if I believed that their nature was bad, I would be hanging out maybe, but I would be waiting for a day of rejection. And a lot of us live our lives like that with God. We try to stay on our best behavior because we don't truly believe that his nature is good. So we think that if we refrain from sin, he won't reject us. But even when we sin, we see him jumping off the porch, running to us. And before we can finish our confession, whispering in our ear, son, you are reinstated into the family. Have my robe. Here's a ring. Here's new shoes. I am good. That is the true nature of the Father, that he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. forever. What about when you sin? Is he still good? Does he still love you? Amen? Amen? So we talked about that, and God said, that's why. You know, you will grow as close to God as you believe he's good. To the extent that you believe that God is good, is to the extent that you will be closely connected with him. Because the more you learn about his goodness, the more passion you feel about growing closer to him. Because there's safety in that. There's freedom in that. There's comfort in that. Because you know, even if I mess up, as long as I'm looking at him, I can still grow closer. Even when I sin and even when I do wrong, he doesn't abandon me. He doesn't toss me onto the trash heap, but he brings me in closer and he loves my sin out of me. Oh, okay, I see what you're doing there. You're trying to get rid of this sin all by yourself. You seem to have forgotten that you cannot rid yourself of sin. Yeah. See, that's what the law helped you with. But let me show you something. I've got this blood in this body that's spotless and sinless, and I cover you and take care of your sin. You can't figure it out yourself. You need me. That's right. yeah. Come on. And so the good father... He showed us his goodness last week. As we talked about how good he is, he set people free. He delivered people. For eight people, last Sunday was their day of deliverance. It was their day of salvation. When they stopped trying to figure out how to get free from sin, and they let Jesus, with his body and his blood, like untangle them from that web of destruction yes. and set them free and let them sprint yes. with him. And I just think that's amazing. And as I was bragging on the Lord, like, wow, God, you're so good. That's so awesome. I was like, I wanna learn more about that. I wanna learn more about your goodness. I wanna hear more about your goodness. Are you really good, God? Are you really that good? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, God, are you really that good? Like every now and then things happen in my life where I'm like, dang, like, (laughs) wow, God, I didn't even know you're that good. I didn't have faith for that. You just like trumped my old definition of your goodness. You just got better, and that's what God wants to do in our lives, and that's why I felt like, you know, we need to experience a season together as a church of talking about the goodness of God, uh, of, 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 of just of leaning into the goodness of God, letting God trump our definitions of how good we think he is, and, and I want to ask you that today. You know, if you're saved, you're set free, you're a Christian, how good do you really believe that God is? Like, really, how good do you believe that God is? A.W. Tozer said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Isn't that an interesting statement? I think it's true. I, I, you know, I think A.W. hit the nail on the head, man, because how we see God matters. What you believe about God will determine how you live your life. And that goes for everybody. What you believe uh, uh, about God will determine how you live your life. You know, the enemy works really hard to distort what we believe about God. The enemy cannot stop God from pursuing us. The enemy cannot stop the Father from jumping off the porch and running to us. He can't stop God from pursuing us, so he works hard to distort what we believe about God. He's like, look, I know I can't stop the Father. I don't have any authority there. But I can at least try to get some authority from you by sowing seeds of doubt into what you say you believe about God. So when something bad happens to you, the enemy's like, yeah, see, God's not really that good, is he? If he was good, he wouldn't have let that happen to you. If he was good, he wouldn't have led you into that place. If he was good, he wouldn't have taken you into a place that made you feel uncomfortable. You're in warfare. You know, so the enemy, he works really hard to try and distort what we believe about God's nature. Predominantly that he is not good. There is a humongous battle in your life right now concerning how good you believe that God is. And no matter how good you think he is, let me tell you again, he's better than that. No matter the eloquence of your definition of how good God is, he's better than that. Look at the person next to you say he's he's better. So this is what Satan's number one strategy is in your life. He's, his number one strategy is to convince you that all of your pain and all of your poverty are from God. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling you guys, God's fault. You ever heard that before? Man, see, God must have done that to you. How about this one? And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go after it. God gave your mom cancer. God gave, God gave your grandma leukemia. God, God can't be good. Look what he did. He, he gave your brother cancer. Look what he did. You ever heard that before? I know many people who have. Or how about this? God caused that natural disaster that killed all those people. He's not good. Or how about this one? Man, God didn't even, did God, he didn't take the time to stop that terrorist attack. All those people died. He can't be good. He didn't even, he didn't intervene. He can't be good. And, you know, when we have these experiences, it almost sounds like a valid point. But here's the thing. If I were to do to my children what many people think God does to his children, I would be arrested for child abuse. If I were to do to Isaiah and Remy what many people believe that God does to his children, I would be arrested for child abuse. Well, God did this to you. Not true. God is a good father, for he is And his steadfast love endures forever. forever. God does not give people cancer. God, yeah, you can say amen right there. God does not cause natural disasters. You can't blame God for terrorist attacks. And, you know, we can say amen to these, but how about this one? Well, maybe he didn't cause it, but he allowed it. God allowed my mom to get cancer. God allowed that natural disaster. God allowed that terrorist attack. Once more, if I were to allow or approve of you hurting my children, then I would have something seriously wrong up here. Guess get what I'm saying. Well, God allows it, so that's like me calling my neighbor, or maybe my neighbor calling me, and saying, "Hey, uh, so I just I want to abuse your kid. I'll allow it. I, I'm going to allow it because I really want Isaiah to learn about how good I am. He he needs to be humbled." You, you know what? Yeah, he's, he's really not been behaving that well around the house. And, you know, I think he needs to see a little bit more clearly about what his purpose is. Yeah, sure, I'll allow it. Yeah, come on over. Just, just hurt him. Hurt him real good. Like really deep in his heart. Cause him some major trauma in his life. Maybe then he'll learn how to depend on me. Separate him from the people he loves the most. Yeah, I think he, he, he should probably learn something about my goodness by that. Wow. But see, that's how we approach the nature of the Father. We say that he's good in church, but when something like that happens, the best we've got is he allowed it. Wow! wow. wow. Come on, love. Woo, great. I mean, to, to let you, for me to allow you To come and abuse my child is so absurd to think about, isn't it? I mean, that's ridiculous. God does not allow pain and suffering so that he can display his mercy. That's just not what happens. That would be like me letting you break my kid's arm just to show him my ability to give him comfort. Hey, can I I break your son's leg? You know what? I'll allow it because he needs to learn that I have a skill set to reset a broken bone. Are you guys with me yet? I realize, I mean, like I'm teeing up a sacred cow here. And I know that. But I want you to think about it because that is the presence of seeds of doubt and discord concerning what you believe about the Father. The Father is not allowing you to be abused. The Father is not allowing somebody else to hurt you. The Father is not allowing bad things to happen in your life just so that He can display His mercy in your life. God doesn't work like that. If I were to allow you to hurt my kids so that my kids could know that I'm good, how does that work? I'm deranged. I'm not good at all. I'm saying that I'm good, but behind the scenes, I'm letting my own children be abused and hurt and neglected and separated. See, for far too long, some of you guys are going to get free in here today. For far too long, the enemy has tried to lie to you and tell you, hey, God can't be as good as he says he is. See what he allowed? No, no, he didn't allow that. That was something the enemy did. That was nothing that God had anything to do with. Are you guys with me this morning? If you're with me, just say amen. Can I say it like this? Let's read John 10 and 10. The thief comes only. Somebody say only. only. See, he only really has one assignment. He's, thief ain't coming to bless you. The thief is coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. What is that? That's loss, that's death, and that's destruction. That's what that is. He's coming to steal. Somebody say Loss. He's coming to kill. Somebody say death. And he's coming to destroy. Somebody say destruction. These are all the works of the enemy. None of those works belong to God because we see it right here in 10 and 10 of John. I came, this is Jesus saying, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly because I am the good shepherd. You guys get that part? The good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep you know I can't explain everything that God does his ways are not my ways his thoughts are higher than my thoughts but when people ask me well why did this happen or why did that happen or you know why do I suffer and I say you know I don't know the answer to all of these questions I'll definitely ask God when I get to heaven but here's what I do know that God himself does not exempt himself from suffering. When you're suffering, you can look at the son of God suffering yeah. on the cross. Yeah. And you can see that he bears with you yeah. in your weaknesses, yeah. that he bears with you in your sufferings, yeah. that he cried on the cross so that you could be lifted out of the ashes and brought back from death into new and abundant life. There is nothing that you struggle that the Son of God has not also struggled with. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But on the other hand, Jesus is the good shepherd. And he said, you know, I've come to bring abundant life. Notice he didn't say, I've come to bring destruction every now and then. Wow. Every now and then when I feel it and when you really tick me off because you haven't gone to church in a month, <laughs> I'm gonna make your washing machine break down. <laughs> yeah, you, you see, we laugh, but you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, I you know, I just... I, did, I, I forgot to tithe at the right time. Now I got all these unexpected bills. That, I mean, that's what the enemy does. See, look. See, look what happened to you. You weren't good enough. God's not good. And, and, then, and then here's the father jumping off the porch. Here it is. Lost, death, and destruction versus abundant life. Everybody say bad. bad. Good. <laughs> the enemy? <laughs> the good shepherd. Yeah. See, I, it's, it's, it's tough, that, but that's the evidence of the confusion wow. the enemy wants to bring. Yeah. Bad, lost, death, and destruction. Good, Jesus. Abundant life. God wants to deal with that confusion in our lives today so that we step out of this place with a new understanding. God does not steal your money. God does not kill your relatives. God does not destroy your life. All of those works belong in this category because they come from the enemy. These are the very works that Jesus came to destroy. Look at 1 John 3 and 8. The reason the Son of God appeared, did you guys get that? The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So he had a purpose in his presence. Yeah, he came to save us, to set us free. I came to destroy the works of the devil. Lost death and destruction, that's what I'm here to deal with. Ben, am I doing good? Am I on? Is my theology good? Come on. Yes. So when we read the Gospels, guys, look at this. You don't have one example of Jesus giving anybody a disease. You don't don't have that. When you read through the Gospels, you don't have one example of a storm happening in somebody's life and Jesus is like, let's up the storm. They need to learn a lesson. <laughs> they don't know about how good I am. Turn up the heat. <laughs> and I, I, I know I've, I've talked about this subject to people, and they're like, What about Job? And I'm like, You know, what about Jesus? Honestly, I don't understand everything in the book of Job. I don't understand anything, everything in the life of Jesus. But I do know this, that the word of God says that Jesus showed up to deal with the works of the enemy. And I'm not called to pour over the life of Job like I am to pour over the life of Jesus. Because I know that what Jesus came to do was show me what God was really like. Job's friends may have been confused about what God was really like. But Jesus came with the answer. He said, hey, there was conversations about me in the very first book that was ever written regarding me, but here I am to show you exactly what the Father is really like. I'm here to truly embody the beauty of God. I'm here to show you in bodily form, I'm here to communicate to you what God is really like. Because Jesus is what God has to say. For thousands of years, people debated over what God was really like. Jesus showed up and showed us. If you've ever been confused about what God is really like, just look at the life of Jesus. Because when you've seen Jesus, you've seen, come on, theologians, y'all got to get with me. Man, I'm confused about what is God really like? You know, did he give me that disease? Has Jesus ever given someone a disease? Man, I'm confused. What is God really like? It seemed like he really just threw some fire, he threw some coal on this fire in my life, this trial. Do you ever see Jesus doing that? No. Anytime a storm showed up around Jesus, he told it to sit down and shut up. I rebuke that storm. So how often has the enemy convinced us to attribute to God what was really his works? What are you, what lie are you believing today that God did something wrong to you, messed you up, messed up your life, allowed something bad to happen? The enemy has been just hiding himself Like, that was really me, but I'm going to convince them that it was God so that I can hurt their relationship with the good Father so that they won't become all that He's fashioned them to be. Let's call it out. Let's rebuke that storm. Let's stomp on the head of the serpent. Let's declare that we are sons and daughters, crying out, Abba, Father, to a God who is good, whose nature is good. Is God blessing you today? Is God speaking to you this morning? God is in here. The Father is in here. Some of you guys are feeling that. You're kind of like, is this true? And, and, and maybe you're feeling that like, kind of like a little bit of warmth. Like, oh, wow, that feels like a heating blanket. That's what we called it in Kentucky. We want them heating blankets. <laughs> if you If you feel that's the Father's love, all right he wants he wants you to know he wants you to know one thing that he sees you and he, and he came here for you. A lot of times we say, oh, he's here, but you know he's probably going to meet somebody else who who needs him more. When did Jesus ever leave somebody out that came and asked him? for deliverance. God, will you heal me? Jesus never kicked them out. He delivered everybody who came to him for it. How often times in the Gospels does it say, and he healed them all? Notice it doesn't say, "And, and nine out of 10 got healed. So, if that's not the way it worked with him, then why is it the way it works with us? Nine out of 10 get healed. If I were to tell you that, which is a lie by the way, then every time you ask God for healing, you'd ask him believing that you were the one that wasn't gonna get healed. And that's why Jesus healed everybody so that the enemy could not convince you to adopt an excuse that you somehow are unworthy of the touch of Christ. The price that Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people he purchased. price that Jesus paid on the cross, determined the value of the people who he purchased. He gave it all because you're worth it all. The sacrifice he gave was matchless. It was priceless because you are matchless and you are priceless. There is no price tag hanging around your neck on the basis of how functional you are. Or how dysfunctional you're not. Jesus Christ ascribed value to you. And he says that you are a priceless, valuable treasure. And that's why he went to the cross. The price that he paid, which was everything, determined your value, which is priceless. Everything. All of who he is. Because of who he created you to be. he's good. And if you don't believe that, then look at Jesus today hanging on the cross and say man, why did you do that? When I was an enemy of yours, when I was running away from you, when I was cussing you and cursing you, when I was lost, when I was ashamed, when I was beat down and broken, you still went to the cross for me. God, you got to be good because I was the worst. I was the worst of the worst. I was the chief of all sinners. Nobody messed up the way I messed up. And yet you still went to the cross for me, God. You really did that? How could I spend another day? How could I leave another church service being confused about how good you really are? God, you are good, and your steadfast love endures forever. You are full of goodness. You are filled with grace. You have enough mercy for today and every day after today, God. I thank you, Papa, for jumping off the porch and running after me. And even when I try to fumble with my words and get through my confession, you whisper in my ear, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased my beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased.